number six. Verse number six, glory to God. Philippians chapter four, four, verse number six. Are you there with me? We're reading again from the New Living Translation. Thank you. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Next verse says what? Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace. Everybody say his peace. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. First eight for good measure, just for good measure. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and pure, I mean right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these think about things that are excellent and and worthy of praise. Now, if you will go with me, real quickly, to First John chapter number four, and we're going to look at verse number eighteen. First John chapter number four, and we're going to look at verse number eighteen. Glory to God. First John chapter number four, and look at verse number eighteen. Let's look at that from the, uh, if you will. Um, uh, yeah, let's, let's go. We'll, we'll go New Living Translation. I'm going to read from the KJV. Such love has no fear because perfect love does what? Expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his what? Perfect love. Now, if you will, uh Go flip back to verse number 13. Let's go to the King James Version of this scripture. First John chapter 4, verse number 13 from the KJV real quickly. And uh, I want you to listen very attentively because this is the Bible. This is God's word speaking to us. And we're talking about today as we wrap up this series on Be Still and Know, we're talking about conquering your fears. It says, what? Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of what? His spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Look, it says, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast it out fear, because fear hath torment. Now look at this last part. It says, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Amen? He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Talking about conquering your fears today. Now last week I gave you a few points that, that I'm going to just kind of mention those and we're going to jump on into the, the, the meat of what I want to share with you today. On last week we said destructive fear does something in our lives. First of all, let's back up even further. We talked about the fact that there are two types of fears that we deal with, right? There's a constructive fear, which is healthy and good for us, which helps to build us up, 
which helps us to be on guard, right? Which helps us to, to, to reverence or respect God. When the Bible says fear God, it don't mean be scared of him, you can't go to him. It's like with your parents. Uh, you ought to fear your parents, but that fear ought to be reverential respect for your parents, right? You shouldn't be broke. Ooh, I can't talk to daddy. If I talk to daddy, he's going to kill me. If you got that kind of fear, that's not healthy fear. All right? And some of y'all may have had a daddy that you, you, you couldn't say two words to uh, without being afraid in a destructive way. But constructive fear says I, re- I have a reverential respect for you. Destructive fear is that fear that comes into our lives that's designed to, to take us down, that's designed to, to not allow us to accomplish and to walk in our divine destiny. Are y'all listening to me? So, so last week we talked about um, uh, what destructive fear does in our life. First thing I told you was, number one, fear will do what? Disregard God's plan. Destructive fear disregards God's plan in our life. The second thing I told you was that fear will distort God's purposes. Everybody say fear distorts God's purposes. Third thing I told you was that fear discourages God's people. And we'll see that from the scripture text. It discourages God's people. Those 12 spies that went over to the promised land, 10 came back, and because of fear, you know, it, it, it was what God said it was, and it was a land flowing with milk and honey, but what we discovered was is they, they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes, and they became fearful of the people in the land, even though, Tanya, they had a promise from God that says every place that your foot steps on, I've already given it to you. God didn't say, I'm going to give it to you. He says, I've already what? Given it to you because we serve a God who called it those things which be not as though they already are. Amen. But those 10, amen, influenced a whole entire generation and they wandered in the wilderness and never, amen, walked into their divine destiny. So fear distorts God's purposes. Fear discourages God's people. Number four, we said what? Fear disbelieves God's promises. Fear disbelieves God's promises. When destructive fear comes into your heart, it tells you you can't afford to tithe. When destructive fear comes into your heart, it says you can't afford to forgive that person and give them another chance because they're going to hurt you again. So you just keep them at a distance. You speak, hey, how you doing? Yeah, God bless you. Hallelujah. So good to see you, brother and sister. But you ain't getting close because of what? Fear, 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 amen, disbelieves God's promises. And lastly, I told you, fear disobeys God's principles, right? It's fear disobeys God's principles. Now, again, if we're going to be the people that God called us to be, if we're going to walk, amen, in God's principles and his power, if we're going to begin to, to, to fulfill our God-ordained destiny, We have to learn to conquer the fears in our life that are preventing us from moving forward in faith. Can I get a witness? All right. So let's talk. Let's talk just real quickly on some things that I think will help us, amen, to overcome fear. Then we're going to talk about, amen, uh, the fact that fear and faith, amen, are opposite forces and they can't coexist in the same heart, in the same mind. So, so as we look through, what, what are some of the strategies for overcoming the fears in our lives, amen? What are some of the strategies? Let's go back, if you will, go back to 1 John, the fourth chapter, and, and, um, and I want you to put that 
into your memory bank. It says, perfect love casted out fear. It casted out fear. So if we're going to overcome fear, uh, what, are, what are the steps we got to do? Number one, I told you on last week, and this is where we left off, we said we got to understand fear's origin. Where did it start from? Where did it start from? I told you on last week that my wife, who's now uh, at the ripe old age, well, she told me, you're not supposed to tell women's ages. She said, uh, you got to stop asking women their ages. Is that something that women don't like to be asked? Yeah, some of y'all do, some of y'all don't, some of y'all don't care. Uh-huh. Well, she's 53, by the way. <laughs> I just told her age. I'm two years old. I'm 55. But, but I told you on last week that she had a, 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 a phobia, an overwhelming fear of water because of an incident that happened in her childhood days. When I told you she thought she could swim because she swam in the bathtub at home and she went to Cincinnati and staying with her sister and her brother-in-law and they went to the pool and because she swam in the bathtub, she thought she could swim in the pool. And so while he's instructing the other brothers and sisters on how to swim, she jumped off into the water thinking she could swim and started swallowing water. And that fear of drowning sort of paralyzed her when it came to water all these years, but, but at, at 52 years of age, she, she, she said, I'm going to face this fear. And some of y'all got some fears in your life right now that, that you haven't faced yet. You're 40, you're 30, you're 25, you're 60, and you're 70 years old, and that fear has gripped you and paralyzed you. And so she took swimming lessons along with some other, uh, Monica and, and I, I think I told you last week, Jackie, they, they, they took swimming lessons Amen. And even when she first got started swimming, that, was, that fear was still there. But as, as she faced it and began to get those lessons, that fear dissipated. So if you're going to overcome your fear, you got to understand where did it start from in the first place? You got to understand where it originates. There's a guy by the name of Dr. Joseph Wap, who was a 20th century South African psychiatrist. And he dedicated a lot of his uh, career to understand the origins of people's greatest fears and phobias. Uh, how many of you have, have a, a certain fear or phobia? Let's say, um, uh, let me give one, one that a lot of us have. How many of y'all are afraid of snakes? Let's see your hands. All right. Now, if I told you that the overwhelming majority of snakes are non-aggressive, non-poisonous, and really don't want to be bothered with you, they're going about doing their own thing. How many of y'all would that change your mind or your fear about snakes? <laughs> oh, it wouldn't. All right. Why is it? Some, well, somewhere down inside of you, maybe when you were a little child, your mama said, get out the way, boy. There's a snake. Run. And so all of a sudden, snakes are not really, amen, that dangerous unless you start messing with them. And even most of them can't really do anything to you because most of them are not poisonous, but yet still we carry that fear and won't touch a snake, right? Some of y'all see a lizard and you go crazy because it kind of looked like a snake with, with, with feet. <laughs> fear, 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 fear. Uh, but what this guy discovered was that many people, he says, he says many people live their entire lives tormented by a particular fear that's rooted in a single traumatic event 
from their childhood. I shared you with Maria in water, that the, the drowning experience. Uh, from a single event, a lot of times, one or two events that occurred in childhood, and so it causes fear to rise. There are many people who will not pursue deep relationships because they're afraid they will be hurt like they were 15 or 30 years ago. You, you hooked up with this dude, you were sold out to him, I mean, you gave him your body when you probably shouldn't have been giving your body, you wasn't married, but you, you sold out to him totally and completely and he hurt you. He disappointed you. He wounded you deeply. I'm talking about you were, you were, in, you were in love like, you know, you, come on, any of y'all ever been just, just nose wide open in love? Y'all, come on, any old school folk know what that means? How many of y'all know what it means when it says his nose or her nose was wide open? That means you were sniffing and buying everything that she, that she was giving. Can I get a witness up in here? But when, when that hurt took place, come on now, it caused you to be afraid to really give of yourself to anybody else. That's why, guys, do you realize that that's why a lot of relationships uh, uh, suffer because People bring baggage from the old relationship over into the new relationship. They never dealt with the emotional hurt and pain from the previous relationship. They just hid it, packed it down, didn't talk about it. I'm cool. I'm all right. No, you're not. Some of y'all in here messed up on the inside emotionally, and you never dealt with it, never allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with it. And so what you did, you just conveniently packaged it in a different way. You stuffed it down so that the person who you're in a relationship with now can't see it, and now you brought them to the new relationship, and now it's causing problems, and you don't know what to do because you never really addressed the origin of your fear about having, amen, relationships again because you were hurt, amen, in the prior relationship. Can I get an amen up in here? How many of y'all been hurt before? Just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say, yeah, preach. I understand what you're saying. And we bring that stuff into the new relationship, and it causes problems. Amen. There are a lot of people who, who it, it, take for instance, there are a lot of people who stay away, stay away from God and anything that has to do with the church or the walk of faith because they had a negative experience in a church ten years ago. Won't even come to church. You go and try to mention them, what do they say? I ain't going to church. Ain't nothing but hypocrites up in there. Well, everybody's not a hypocrite, but I got news for you. This church, as well as any other church, has no perfect people up in here. Now, there ain't an excuse to live any kind of way. I don't believe in living junkie and talking about, well, ain't nobody perfect, so I just keep my side chick and I keep smoking my dope. No, something wrong with you. You may not be saved. Because you can't, you can't have Jesus your Lord and live consistently in sin. Now, you, all of us are subject to falling, but you can't have a lifestyle of sin and say, I know Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. It doesn't work. That, that is a contradiction in turn. Some folk who say they're saved ain't never been saved. But, but, but all of us are fallible, and so all of us make mistakes. All of us, I'm not, what I told you last week about mistakes, all of us sin. And so nobody's perfect, but when you understand the love of God, when you allow the, 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 the permeating power of the agape love to abide on the inside of you, you understand that love covers a multitude of sins. That's what my Bible says. 
So when you mess up, when you do something crazy, and I'm in relationship with you, and I love you, I don't throw you away because you did something crazy. Now, you can't keep on doing the crazy stuff as a habitual lifestyle because that's unhealthy. And sometimes we find ourselves in unhealthy relationships. But, but the problem is, is that we, we never, you know, sometimes people are, are fearful about new relationships because they, they haven't really dealt with the origin of their fear about being close to people. You, you stand offish. You only go so far. You only talk about certain things with certain people because you are fearful of engaging in a close relationship and being vulnerable and being transparent. And as a result, you only get so close to people. Can I get a witness up in here? So we got to understand fear's origin. When you start to unpack all of the layers of what we call self-protection that cover up these destructive fears that we have, you often find one or two significant events in a person's life that's at the root of that fear that's, that's gripping and paralyzing you. Now, the lady on the, on the video was talking about how a speech, a, a, a speech teacher told her that she, 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 she wouldn't ever be able to speak in public. And that fear, amen, caused her not to walk in her God-ordained destiny. How many of y'all have been told something when you were younger that, that's, that's still shaping your personality, shaping your bent right now, shaping your unwillingness to trust God who's called you to greater purposes? Think about it for a second. Fear, fear, fear. Understand fear's origin, amen? Uh, things that may, see, may not seem like nothing to people who are, who are just a casual observer of your life, but it means something to you because you, you heard your daddy say something that was negative. I was talking to a brother not just too long ago. He was talking about he, he still struggles with the fact that his dad told him a certain thing, a negative thing, and he's still struggling with that, still trying to prove himself. Still trying to, trying to prove, dad is dead and gone, but still trying to prove daddy wrong. And it ends up, amen, sometimes causing uh, some heartache in his current life. But understand fear's origin. Now, guys, if, if you will, uh, turn with me to John, the eighth chapter, verse number 44. St. John, the eighth chapter, verse number 44. Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. So understand fear's origin. You got you to find out where it comes from. And then after finding out where it comes from, we're going to see something. The second point that I'm going to give you, just after we read this, the text says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, this is Jesus talking to his followers, his disciples, and he's telling them that Satan, amen, is a liar, and he's the father of lies. He started lying. Lying wasn't in the earth until he came. And how many of y'all got some friends who just like, they, 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 they close partners and say they're always lying. Just won't tell the truth. Just won't be honest. They're deceptive. He's the father of lies, guys. Amen. Satan is the father of lies. And, and, and as Jesus reveals this to us in here, he's revealing his primary strategy for bringing about defeat and destruction in our lives is he uses lies to deceive us. Satan uses deception to keep us, amen, out of God's 
plan and will for our lives. Everybody say deception. See, destructive fear, here's what happens. Again, the second point, I want you to just drop this down, okay? The second uh, strategy for uh, overcoming your fears is number one is, is, is discovering the origin of that fear. We know that Satan ultimately is the, is, the, is, the, is the one who brings lies and deception to cause us to have fear. But there's, there's specific incidents in your life that you may can trace it back to. Specific instances that happened in prior relationships or whatever, prior churches that cause you fear right now and prevents you from engaging with people. So the second thing I want you to just jot this down. We said, number one, what you got to do first. First thing you got to do if you're going to overcome fear is what? We got to do what? Understand fears or the second thing is we got to expose fears lies because destructive fear will lie to you. All right. It will lie to you. Okay. It'll start spending some horror stories in your imagination and, and, and those horror stories usually go down one or two predictable, predictable tracks. Either it's going to be a, a, a story about something tragic or unfortunate is going to happen or that you're going to be betrayed. All right? Or that person who you're in relationship with is not going to be trustworthy. That they're, they're not going to hold to the end of the bargain. So it, it paralyzes you. So Satan loves to to help you focus on your worst case scenarios because they'll consume you. They'll, 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 they'll actually distract you. They'll derail you from doing God's will in your life. Amen. When fear has you in a stranglehold, it's easy to take your eyes off of God's power and his provision. Go over right quick, if you will. Let's look at first Corinthians. And this is one that I share with you all the time. Uh, now, second Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at verse number three from the New Living Translation. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number three. So we got to, number one, we got to, we said we got to do what? We got to uh, discover the origin of our fear. Then we got to expose fear's lie. Because fear will have us just imagining stuff that's going to take place. And most of the time, the stuff that we imagine is going to take place never takes place. But the end result is it keeps us from walking in our destiny. And what I'm trying to do as your pastor is, is to get you out of fear and to get you to focus on the promise of God so that you won't be like the children of Israel who failed to inherit the blessed land because of fear. Some of us, God has given you a direction. He's given you a career choice. He's given you a business opportunity. But you're afraid that if I take it, I'll fail. Fear of failure. Paralyzes a lot of people. Watch the text here. Look at what it says here. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Are y'all listening to me today? I, I, I hope y'all are hearing me because, see, I think that when we learn to overcome our fears, it's going to unleash the power of God in your individual lives and in the life of this church. Amen. But the Satan is doing a, a, a number on a lot of believers, keeping them in a state of fear so they won't move with God. Watch the text. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Verse number four, come on, let's read together. It says what? We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy what? False arguments. Verse number five says what? We destroy, watch this, every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Watch this, we capture 
their rebellious thoughts and teach them to what? To obey Christ. Now, now again, the KJV says this way. It says, uh, but uh, in verse number four, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. A stronghold is a way of thinking that's been built up so solidly in your mind that you don't seem to be able to overcome it. A stronghold is a way of thinking, a way of acting, a way of responding that's been built up and you and we as believers can't seem to overcome it. But look what the text says. We destroy every proud obstacle or stronghold that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thought and teach them to obey Christ. So what, what am I saying? Well, we, if you're going to overcome your fear, you've got to expose the lies that, you've been, that you're telling yourself and what other people are telling you. Sometimes it's not just you, it's what other people tell you. Family members. People who are supposed to love you unconditionally. Hello? They're speaking stuff to you that doesn't line up with God's will. So the Bible says we've got to bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. So destructive fear will start spinning these stories in your head. You ain't going to make it. No, you, you, no, if you go take another job, you know, uh, you already know what you do here. Some, some of y'all are stuck right now because you've been doing something for 15, 20 years and you're afraid to do something new. Something new that would empower you to earn appreciably more resources and money, but you're afraid to try something new. Do you not realize that, that, that I, I'm probably the, the tail end of the generation that, that grows up and, and works 30 years at one company without ever changing and getting to gold watch and retiring? It's rare to see that nowadays, to stay in one place for 30. Let me, ask, let me, let me see your hands. How many of y'all have had at least two jobs since you've been out of school and, and whatever? Have had at least two jobs, at least two. How many of y'all had more than two? More than two? All right, see, see the hands raise up? See, it used to be that you could stay put in one place, but now the, the, the economic environment that we're in is sometimes not conducive for that. And so, but, but, but sometimes God may be trying to move you to a different place, but some people won't move because they're afraid of change. They don't want to do anything different. They won't keep doing the same way, even if it's not working. Familiarity, amen, Amen. Familiarity with something will cause you to stay there because you're fearful of doing something different. At least I know this. At least I, I, I you know, at least I, I know what I have right here. Guys, let me tell you something. You, you, you may not know what you're missing because you won't try anything. To, let, let me show you. I, for, the, for the first time in about five years, I, I, I upgraded my phone, my cell phone. I mean, I think I had the iPhone 4 or something uh, a five? Is it a five? And, and here's, here's my mentality. Well, ain't nothing wrong with this one. How many of y'all got the same mentality? Well, how many of y'all still got a flip phone? Nobody, y'all scared? Mac! Oh, Mac, Mac. The flip phone. Oh, Mac. <laughs> That's all right, but Mac. But you know what? When I got the new phone, guys, I saw some features and some things that I didn't have in my old phone, some neat stuff that allowed me to do some things at 11. It was much faster. The battery doesn't go down from 
80% to 10% in two seconds? My point is this. I got comfortable knowing what I know and was not willing to explore, explore something different. See, there are many times when God is trying to get us to move in a direction, amen, that's different than what we're already moving in. God's trying to get us to build relationships with people who are not just like us so that we can pour into their lives the love of God that he put inside of us, but we too doggone fickle and too, 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 too you know, stuck in the mud to where we don't want to change. We don't want to interface with anybody who is not just like us. If you're going to get people saved, you got to go out to folks who are not just like you. Yeah, they still got a little cuss in them. Yeah, they may be drinking. Yeah, they may be doing this other stuff, but that's why you are there. God says, if you're going to get people saved, you can't just stay in church and get them saved. You got to build relationships outside of church. You got to go talk to people. You got to make yourself available to people. But most of us are scared. What they after, what they want. If, if they're going to want some money from them, that's what most of y'all are scared of. If I go and talk to them, they're going to want some money. What they're going to want from me? Well, maybe God is hooking you up with that person so that they can experience the love of God that you have and so that they can be drawn to the love that's in you. Love is addictive. Y'all know that? Can I get a witness? Love is addictive. Now, but, but watch this, watch this, guys. He says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture every rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. All right, so we got to expose fears, lies, because fear, the, the lies that feel, fear tells us tries to keep us in the box that we're in. Let, let me give you a perfect illustration, okay? Because when fear has a stranglehold on you, it takes your eyes off of God's power and his provision. And all you can see is the stranglehold. All you can see is the fear of what might happen. Let's suppose you need to confront your spouse on a serious issue. And I'll tell you all this before. Most, most of y'all sitting in here, I surmise, are fearful about being totally honest with your spouse. Yeah, I knew it would get quiet in here when I said that. Because I know what I'm talking about. Most of y'all in here, uh, 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 or even, let's say for instance, most of y'all in here are even uh, fearful about being honest with your parents and you're 45 years old, you're 50, you're 60 years old and still won't speak truth to your parents. Well, I respect them. Respect them is one thing. You ought to always respect them, but you ought to also speak the truth. You know your mama was being mean. Come on now. You know mama was talking about the sister-in-law. Hello. And you sat there and wouldn't say anything. You say, sanctify, fear with the Holy Ghost, speak another tongue, but because of fear of mama, you wouldn't speak up. See, that's one thing to respect your parents, but respect for your parents should never, should, should never be overridden, uh, should never override the word of God. It's better to obey God than man. Can I get a witness? So, so anyhow, let, let's, let's suppose you need to have, uh, 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 need to confront your spouse on a serious matter, talk about a serious matter. Maybe, maybe there's an unhealthy pattern to how you're relating to each other lately. And, and it, it warrants what we call a crucial conversation, a heart-to-heart -heart talk, amen? But then fear takes over. Can I talk to you a little bit? Fear takes over. If, if I bring this up with my spouse, it ain't gonna go well. 
Last time we talked about it, we argued all night. Y'all ever argued all night, first, first to three or four? Fuck. I, I need some witness up here. I need somebody who ain't been, who ain't been moving with the Lord like you move with him now. How many, Tanya, have you ever argued? Okay, baby, thank you. Will you support daddy? Amen. Can we be honest? Have you, have you ever argued with Craig for a prolonged period of time? Yes, yeah, I know you have. I know you have. You ain't told me that, but I just know, I know, I know human nature. Because I know Mary and I've had some arguments where it was three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, tired of talking. It's 3 a.m. <laughs> Anybody been there? So what, what we do is intrinsically, what we begin to do is we see again, fear says, if I bring up this needed subject that needs to be addressed. There's some, some unhealthy relationship patterns that are recur occurring in our marriage and, 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 and we need to discuss it but, but, but fear says, don't you bring that up. If you bring that up, ain't gonna be no sex for three weeks. Dudes. Don't you bring that up. He gonna stop giving you money to go shop. Don't you bring that up. Y'all still on the sex for three weeks thing? Okay, I, I moved past that, y'all. I moved past that. But that fear, if I bring this up, it's not going to go well. We're just going to end up arguing all night, and maybe he may leave, or maybe she's going to leave me, walk out the door and never come back. In reality, guys, Having that crucial conversation may be a little risky, and yeah, it may get a little heated. We call heated fellowship. How many of y'all ever had heated fellowship with somebody that you're in relationship with? That's what we're going to call it. We gonna, we, from now on, we're going to call it what? Heated fellowship. So when I, when I call you and, and you say, but Pastor, how, I say, how's it going, my brother? Yeah, it's, it's going pretty good, Pastor. We just had some heated fellowship. Sometimes heated fellowship is necessary. Take the risk, guys. Listen to me carefully. If you listen to the lies that keep swirling around in your head about we're going to leave, we're going to break up, we ain't going to ever make it, it's going to be like this for the next 15 years. God, I can't live this way for 15 more years. Have y'all ever been afraid to say, uh, talk to yourself and say, listen, I, I can't live this way. And then you start thinking about what all can transpire. Fear begins to grip you. And sometimes people just be quiet because the last relationship that they had when they spoke out, their feeling, they shared their feeling, they were crushed by the person. So now you learn to just pack it down, don't say anything. Just keep it to yourself and just endure. Baby, let me tell you something. I'm 55 years old and I refuse to just endure. God's got, listen, God's got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life and you need to stop just enduring. Start to live. That's my next sermon title, by the way, in August. We'll start. It's time to live again. Some of y'all, it's time to live again. Some of y'all been dead in some areas for 30 years. And God said it's time to live again. Can these dry bones live? <laughs> in Ezekiel, that's what we're going to talk about. It's, it's time to live again. Guys, don't let fear paralyze you like that. See, <laughs> when we're afraid to talk to our spouses or our children or our mom, our dad, or even our manager at work in a respectful manner, uh, it paralyzes us. Because you may see something going on at work that needs to be addressed, 
But because someone is over you, you, you're afraid to address an issue. And guys, let me tell you something. When you, when you can address an issue and get something fixed, anybody in their right mind will appreciate the fact that you had the problem addressed. So you got to start to address problems. Sometimes in the, in the church, in the old, in, 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 you have churches even today, they know stuff is not effective, but they're afraid to say something because Sister Lula May been leading that ministry for 40 years. And Sister Lula May been ineffective for 39 and a half years. But nobody will hurt Lula May's feelings. That ain't her gifting. Take Sister Lula May and put her over here where she, she's gifted, but she ain't gifted over here. Just say, Sister Lula May, it's time. It's time. Time for what? It's time. We're going to move you over here where you are gifted and can be a blessing. And we're going to just... We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna just, you know, you don't have to be rude and cruel to people. Just kind of you know, use, use wisdom. But if you, you know when stuff is not effective. When you took over the class, it went from 100 to 2. That's probably telling you something. From 100 people attending every week to 2 people. Something ain't right. Everybody say something ain't right. Says so a dead cat on the line somewhere. So, so, so something simple as addressing your spouse, you know, f- fear begins to tell you lies. It's going to be over with. We ain't going to ever make it. You know, and so uh, you're, you're hostile. And, and so as a result, you, you, don't, you don't address the issue. Here's, here's what happens when you don't address issues, Tori. We pack it down. And we start to become bitter. We start to become cynical. We start to become resentful toward our spouse. We even start to almost kind of have a little edge about it. It's kind of almost just turn your nose up when you see them coming because you never dealt with the stuff that you need to deal with. Hello? Because of fear. Fear that's going to lead to heated fellowship. Fear that's going to cause the person to do something that, that, you know, that's, you know, crazy. And, and, and guys, I'm going to tell you something. If you're in a relationship where you can't talk, it's not being led by God. That's all I'm going to say on that, okay? So, uh, so, so, so but here's, here's the other part about it. Again, when you don't address stuff, it makes the relationship actually get worse. Amen? And, and, and the opportunity to improve your marriage is going to be missed because you, you fear calls you not to address submission. Fear, fear thrives on deceit, y'all. Amen? And, 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 and it'll tell you all kinds of lies. But exposing those lies is usually half the battle. Amen. Exposing lies. So the third thing I want you to, to, to note, make note of, number three, you got to face fear head on. Everybody say face it head on. Go to 1 Samuel 17. I don't care how, how, how much your stomach riles up in 1 Samuel 17, chapter verse number 10. And we'll look at it from the KJV and then the NLT. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I don't care how much it rises up. You got to, you got to deal with it. Because we know that perfect love does what to fear. It casts the fear out. So if the fear is lingering and, it, and, it's, and it's there. Um, if it's lingering and it's there, then that means perfect love is not, being, it's not properly operating. Because the Bible says perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Perfect love is God's love. It's agape love. And see, the way, the, the way agape love 
amen, abides in our hearts is, is we got to get word out of our head into our heart. Remember what David said, thy word have I hid where? In my heart that I may not sin against thee. So when I get the word down in my heart, that word begins to, 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 to act as a, as a, as a life-giving blood to me to walk in supernatural power and authority. But I got to get the word down on the inside of me. God and his word are one and the same. So if perfect love casts out fear, God is love and, and God is his word because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So if the word is on the inside of me, that word has a way of chasing fear out. But if I don't have any word, what am I doing? What am I doing? First Samuel chapter number 17, glory to God. Let me get there. First Samuel, you got it on the screen. I'll go on the screen. It says, and the Philistine said, this is Goliath coming out. Y'all know the story. I don't have time to go through all of it. But y'all know that, that, that the armies of Israel were facing the Philistine armies. And, and, and the Bible lets us know that they came to this valley. Uh, and when they came to this valley, as a matter of fact, let's take a quick peek back. Uh, look, look back at, at verse number one. Look at verse number one. Then I, I'm not going to go all the way down to it, but I want y'all to see this. It says, now the Philistine, Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shekot, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shekot and Ezekiah in Ephdamon, whatever that is. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on, stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So you got one army on this side at the top of the mountain, and another army on this side at the top of the mountain, and a valley in between them. Okay, y'all got, got, got the gist of it. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gad, whose height was six cubits in a span, and he had a helmet, he had a what? A, a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of, 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 of brass on his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. Dude was brass down. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the... Now watch this, guys. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them... Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye service to Saul? Okay. Uh, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. Verse number nine says, well, if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you should be our servants and serve us. Now, what would happen sometimes in battle, you know, they fought a lot. Go through the Old Testament and you'll see a lot of fighting going on. People attacking God's people. And so what they would do sometimes is, rather than these two armies go out in the valley and slaughter half of them, what they'd do is they'd send a warrior from their side and a warrior from their side and let them go down there and, and, and fight to the death. And whoever wins, uh, they get to be over the ones whose who soldier lost. But now I want y'all to listen to what, the, what happens here because fear is going to rise up here and cause something to take place. The text says in verse number 10, read. It says, what? and the Philistines said, I defy, watch this, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. 
Look at verse number 11. It says what? When Saul, uh, listen, listen to this real carefully. Here's what's happening in a lot of our lives. We're hearing stuff. And when we hear stuff, it causes fear in our hearts. The text says when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were what? And greatly afraid. Now watch this. Until he started talking, the Bible doesn't say that they were afraid. He was a big dude, right? But they heard his words. How many of y'all remember in school, there was some people who used to uh, do a lot of talking and boasting and talk about what they're going to do, right? And a lot of times, they're talking and boasting about what they're going to do, trying to get you to be afraid of them, right? And so they heard a word from this Philistine giant, and the Bible says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Well, now y'all know the rest of the story, how it was that David, had, who was tending his sheep on the backside of the devil, his father Jesse told him, go check on your brothers, go take them something to eat at the, battle, at the battlefield. When he came down, he saw what was going on. He saw the, the, the army of Israel being afraid. And, and David, David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defied the living God of Israel? David was not afraid. David started going back on his memory bank, Yvonne. David said, I've killed bears and lions with my own hands. So I can take out this Philistine, right? So guys, don't let words from the enemy cause you to operate in fear. Don't want, it may not even be words from any, it may be words from your family members. It may be words from a physician. It may be words from your teacher. It may be words from your, from your, from your manager. Don't allow the words of others to cause fear to permeate in your heart. Amen? You got to face fear head on. And that's what David did. Y'all know the story how David took a slingshot. Five, how many he had five smooth stones? No one took one, did it? One knocked him down. He took the giant sword and cut his head out because David had covered him with God. So face fear head on. Number four. Uh, let's get back. Face fear head on. Number four. We got to uh, speak words of truth. Speak words of truth. Everybody say speak words of truth. Speak words of truth. Words of truth. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Truth comes from the word, the Bible, God's, God's holy word. And we got to learn to speak that amen, into our lives. So first thing is, you know, when we speak the word of truth, we're talking about self-talk. See, the Bible says death and life is where in the power of the tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. Speak, amen, words of truth. What are you saying to yourself? Amen. What are you saying? Are you saying I can't make it? Or are you saying I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know what it looks like, amen, uh, but, but you know what? I'm not walking by what it looks like. The Bible tells me to walk by faith and not by sight. And so I'm not going to look at what I see. I'm going to look at what I believe. I'm going to turn to the word of God and see what God's word says about me in this situation. So even though my flesh may be fearful based on what I see, I'm not going to look at what I see. I'm going to look at what I believe. Can I get a witness? And you got to start speaking because death and life are where? In the power of tongues. So you got to start talking to yourself, talking the word of God to yourself. I mean, literally, when you pray and say, God, you know that this is a, I'm facing this issue right now. But Lord, you know what? I believe that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
I believe you're the God who gave your son to die on the cross of my sins. I've received him as my personal savior and you told me I can walk in victory. You told me I'm the head and not the tail. You told me I'm above and not beneath. You told me I'm an overcomer, not an underachiever. And God, right now, I'm facing this situation. I don't know what to do. I don't have enough money to solve it. But God, I believe you and your word. You said the cattle on a thousand here belongs to you. I belong to you too. So if the cattle belong to you and I belong to you, the silver and gold is yours. That means I can have access to it. You my daddy, ain't you? I said, ain't you? You're my daddy, are not you? See, guys, we got to speak words of wisdom, words of truth. Can I get a witness? Because that helps us to expose fears like self-talk. What kind of self-talk are you doing? See, most of us sit around and we talk the negative. We, we, we speak what we see rather than what we believe. We speak what we see rather than the promises of God. See, faith is speaking the promises of God. Self-talk. Second thing, we got to go to Scripture. Scripture. Everybody says Scripture. And so what better to speak than the Scripture, God's Word in our situation? Speak the Word of God. Find truth on the issue. And thirdly, we got to pray. Prayer is important. Speak words of truth by talking to yourself, telling you what God says about you, quoting, meditating on Scripture, because the Bible even says this, Joshua and Joshua 1 and 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So speak words of truth. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about is, again, if you're going to overcome your fear is that. But, but, but you got to also understand, and you got to embrace, amen, the principle of faith. You got to understand and embrace the principles of faith. Everybody say understand and embrace the principles of faith. Now I don't have time to go through all these, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna hit number one, I'm gonna hit you, hit you with the rest of them when I get back. Amen. Watch this. Principle number one. Watch write this down. Faith is a way of life. Everybody say a way of life. Say faith is a way of life. Go to Romans, the first chapter, verse number 17 with me. Faith is not just a get-rich-quick scheme or get-what-I-want plan or get-me-out-of-jail get plan. See, there are a lot of folks when they get in trouble want to call on Jesus and say, I got faith. No, no, no. I, listen, you got to have faith before you get in trouble. Now, it's good to call on him, but how are you going to call on somebody who you had not believed in? And how are you going to believe in somebody who you not heard in? And how are you going to hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except he be sent? See, many Christians, amen, try to conjure up faith when they don't realize that faith is a way of life. Look what Romans 1 and 17 says. It's, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall what? Underline live in your Bible. The just shall live by faith. That means the just should have a lifestyle of faith. A lifestyle of faith is that lifestyle that, that, that believes God on a consistent basis even when we can't see his hand. It, the lifestyle of faith believes God even when we can't feel it or we don't have the physical evidence. Right? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. 
Well, we, we know the, the, the common definition that we normally go to in Hebrews 11 chapter, verse number one. Turn there right quick, Hebrews 11, verse number one. And let's, let, let's, let's go to the NLT on this one. I want, I want you to read it from the New Living Translation. So the first thing is, we got to understand and embrace. Understand and embrace. To, I, I'm going to tell you some of y'all's problems. I'm going to say you all's Christians' problems, us believers' problems. We like to get stuff all figured out and nicely wrapped up in the bowl before we believe. Well, listen, belief means that and faith means that I don't see it, but I got the promise. Hello? If you're waiting to see it before you believe it, then it don't take faith to believe something that you already see. Vic, you got brown shoes on. You don't have to believe God to have a pair of brown shoes because you got them on right there. Right? Now, if you don't have a black pair in your car, you might have to believe for a black pair, but you got brown shoes on right now. You can see it. You don't need faith. Guys, look at what it says. Faith, watch this, is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it is what? It gives us what? Assurance about things that we cannot see. What does that? Faith does. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. In other words, hope has to do with future tense, but it's not future in the sense that we're guessing that it's going to happen. It's a confident assurance of a future event. And it says it gives us what? Assurance about things that we can't see, stuff that we can't see. All right? So the first thing that if we're going to understand and embrace, amen, the principles of faith is we've got to realize that, that number one is what? What did I tell you? Faith is a way of life, okay? It's not just some get-rich-quick scheme. You know, that, that was a period of time in the 80s and the 90s where there was a lot of prosperity preaching that was going on, unbalanced prosperity preaching. I believe in the prosperity of the believer. I believe in the prosperity message in a balanced way. Some people have taught that all you got to do is give a seed and then the blessing is going to come. Well, that's more to it than that, baby. Well, how are you living? Come on, now, you can't just drop a seed and God will just bring blessing in your life. Did you, did you give it in faith? Are you living according to God's will? Are you trusting God for your increase? It's more than just bucket plunking. See, faith, amen, amen, says that I believe everything that God says about me in his word. I believe his promises and I'm going to stand on them. I'm not going to let what I see deter me from believing what I know. Truth will override, quote, fact. See, when you have truth, from God's word, his promise, then it doesn't matter what it looks like. You trust that. And that's the problem that many believers have because faith don't come by you coming to church. Hello, somebody. Faith does not come by you just coming to church. The Bible says faith coming by what? And hearing by what? The word of God. So first of all, faith is a way of life. Everybody says it's a way of life. Principle number two, and I don't have time to unpack this when I pick it up. When I get back, it says our lifestyle must coincide with God's word. Our lifestyle must coincide with God's word. Some of you, some of you are trying to believe God for stuff <laughs> and your lifestyle is not lined up with his word. Hello, you're trying to believe God, but your lifestyle is not lining up. Although faith does come by hearing the word of God, repeat the word of God, and it's developed by putting that word in action. We must make sure that we, to the best of our ability, are living in line with the Bible. 
How you gonna walk in faith but don't walk in line with the word? It, do, it doesn't work. And that's, that's, that's the disconnect. We're trying to believe God, but when we know what God's word says, we're not willing to do it. We're not willing to submit ourselves unto it. Okay? So we'll, we'll, we'll pick back up, guys. So faith is the way of life, and our lifestyle must coincide with God's word. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.